Yes, people, what the hell is going on? Welcome to another episode of Echoes from the Void. And uh, it's interesting times, right? Interesting times. Like, yo, huge news about, um, yo, Rogan signing a incredible deal moving over to Spotify, which makes perfect sense. And it's gonna, I feel this could change YouTube, right? Because, like, you put shit on YouTube. And they can demonetize you if you say anything wrong. You know what I mean? And, and just fuck around with your shit. So if big names like Rogan move away from the platform, could that see, you know, a change? Could we then see them stop fucking around? You know what I mean? And it's just like, look, all right, fine. You can have. No one's saying you can't have your rules But when you're mad inconsistent With the shit that you do That's a problem So yeah That could be a huge change to that Um, Other like Look There is so much craziness I feel From the information that we're being told right now Right So you know one minute we're getting told that kids aren't affected by the virus, right? And then the Swiss, you know what I mean? Our friends in Switzerland are saying that they can't even carry the disease. And supposedly their top scientists are saying they can't carry the disease. So that would kind of, you know, indicate that it should be fine to reopen schools, right? If the kids can't carry disease and the kids can't catch the disease, then there's no problem. Because they're not going to even spread it when they go back home. But no, there, there's all this pushback. But then are you addressing the fact that, hey, the kids that aren't getting proper meals and all of that? Like, what's getting done with that? You know what I mean? There's the all this crazy shit. You then have uh, <laughs> one of the funniest things I think. Like, so the chief of Visit Britain, Patricia Yates, is um, you know, she is interested in this whole um, <laughs> airbridge bullshit. Right, saying that uh, there's no right at the moment. They're saying if you travel to another country, tra- country to the UK, you have to be in quarantine for 14 days. Which technically, yes, that makes sense, right? They're then saying that um, you know transport between certain countries where maybe you know they're not spiking and things like that. That could be a possibility, right? That's what they're saying right now. Which you're kind of like, that doesn't make any sense because, on a basis of um, individuality, 
you don't know if one person could have it, even if they're from, you know, in a certain part. But the biggest thing, which doesn't make any sense, right? We 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 definitely know that, like the up the nose swab or a blood, you know, what I mean, taking blood can bring back definite results on if you have the disease. So just do that. I don't know why they're just not saying. Let's do that Because then we will know that Everyone coming out of a plane Swab their noses They have to stay in the airport for a period of time While the results come back And then we know if they've got it or not It's a simple fucking thing You know what I mean? It's a simple thing Like you could put some of the cost on an air ticket Saying look, if you want, if you really want to travel you just got to pay an extra £20 to get this test you know what I mean? Simple. It's a simple thing. A simple thing. And then one of the really irritating things that keeps on getting said. You have got like idiot people, right? Who are coming out saying that oh, I think things have changed for good. Like Oh, this is the new norm. Hey, what, what are you talking about? Like, we have been on lockdown, you know what I mean? Essentially since, what, mid, mid, no, it was what, the end of March? The end of fucking March. So, two months? Two months. This isn't normal It's two fucking months You retarded idiots It just seems lazy people Want to just put out this rhetoric Because they can't be bothered to change What they're doing Right so we've got uh, A high up in Marks and Spencers Saying that um, Oh yeah The high street isn't going to be the same As what it used to be And you know people's shopping patterns have changed it's not gonna be that hard to bring people back But the big difference is People want to see change, right? So not the same old bullshit that is getting done So it means that shops need to be more customer focused Shops can't go, we're having a sale When everyone really knows that it's not a sale you know what I mean? It's like you can't up the prices a month before, then reduce them back down to normal, and then say it's a set. No, people are now seeing through the bullshit. So you're gonna have to do more. But if you do do that, they will come back. They will shop. It's not an. You know what I mean? It's not a issue of oh now everyone's too scared to. People want to leave their fucking houses. You know, people want to go out and do the things they normally do So you just give them a reason to do it you know I mean, entice people back Stop with the exorbitant prices And people are going to come back People are going to spend their money People are going to do their thing They're not going to spend a whole lot of money at the moment Because the job situation is fucked But as soon as the job situation sorts itself out Hey Things will change But stop saying this is the new normal Because 
Hey, you're sounding ridiculous, right? You're sounding ridiculous, and it just shows you're a lazy motherfucker. So, let us reflect and move forward instead of just being assholes, alright? That's all I gotta say, motherfuckers. Alright, let's get into today's episode. Okay, I like... I find it odd sometimes. Like, there's these things that seem to be blowing up all over the spot. And... I just completely miss them. Until you catch something at the tail end. And it's just like... Wait, what? The fuck has been going on? And, uh, yeah, so I, I saw this whole thing about um, Alison Roman, Chrissy Tajines. I, I, I never know how to pronounce her name. Tajines? Tejans? Oh, she's married to John Legend. Um, yeah. With her and Maria Kondo. Um... And it all just seems just so fucking dumb. Like, so, Roman, like, she did an interview with the new consumer. And, yeah, she went off on some shit. So, right, what she said was, um, what Chrissy... Tijan has done is so crazy to me. She had a successful cookbook and then it was like, boom, line at Target, boom. Now she has an Instagram page that has over a million followers where it's just like people running a content farm for her. Um, That horrifies me and it's not something that I ever want to do. I don't aspire to that. But, like, who's laughing now? Because she's making a ton of fucking money. And those comments have kind of, yeah, just spiraled out. Um, You know, she also supposedly said that um, Marie Kondo had just fucking sold out immediately. Which is just like, I, whatever. Um, but yeah, like, yes.
Okay, so there's a couple of bits of boxing um, news that came out this week that I found interesting. First of all, um, so uh, Steve Bunce and, um, oh, what's my man's name? Mike Costello, that's it. Mike Costello and Steve Bunce. So they've, you know, they're like known... um, and uh, like analysts, commentators, and all of that, and so they've got a uh, you know a show uh, on BBC Radio Five Live, and they have, I think they they've got this series where they're talking about um, iconic boxers and rewatching like 
a classic or a significant fight in the boxing history. So it's like a 10-part series, which, yo, that's interesting. Um, because there's been some classic fights, right? And, yeah, back in the day, man, I was a huge boxing fan. You know, I'd stay up late, watch it, you know. So, I've, I've, yeah, I've watched some of these great fights. And it's a big thing. But it was just all the... It's just the corruption and the bullshit that kind of... <sighs> makes you fall out of love with the sport, man. You know what I mean? Then UFC, martial arts. It's a bit like, all right, I can get behind this more. You know what I mean? But So they've got this show. Um, and they had on David Hay to talk about uh, the Mike Tyson fight against Michael Spinks. Uh, and you know what I mean, so like he beat Spinks in 91 seconds in 1988, you know what I mean, like Tyson was 21 and just fearsome, so yeah, so they looked at that, they watched that fight, and then they talked about it, right, and so after, you know, they'd watched it, David Hay. <laughs> comes out and he's just like, ah, oh, you know what? I struggle to put Mike Tyson in, you know, my top five greatest heavyweight boxers of all time. Um, and I, you know, I struggle to put him up there amongst a lot of people. And look, anyone can have their opinion. I don't have an issue with that. Right, he'll what he was saying, it was partly a bit ludicrous, I feel, and I think another part of it kind of should be addressed too. Right, so he basically said, Right, for I, you know, when Tyson was dominant, he was just walking through people, and you know, where like. He and he can't put someone as a great if they've never, you know, been on the brink of loss and come back to win, which is kind of stupid, right? Firstly, because right, if because look, you can look at the quality of opponents, and Tyson fought some good freaking boxers back in like Spinks. Spinks wasn't a walkover. Spinks was a great friggin' fighter. You know, Spinks beat a lot of top people. You know what I mean? So, the thing with Tyson, when he was at his prime, he was just so much better than people. And if you're in a spot where you just are so much better than the people around you, right? And you're beating everyone, then... It is what it is, you know, like, now, you can look at things like, um, there's always a question mark around Demetrius Johnson, right, because I think Mighty Mouse didn't have an opponent that was kind of able to really challenge him, 
like really challenge him. It's like it would have been interesting to see what would have happened in a third fight against Henry Cejudo. You know, but like he clearly beat Cejudo the first time. And then the second fight where Cejudo won, that was a, a close decision. I think that was a split decision, right? So, but that was the toughest, probably, that was his probably toughest fight. You know what I mean? Like, there was that fight against, um, uh, God damn it, I can't think of the dude's name. But he won that season of the Ultimate Fighter where they brought in all the champions and, you know, like the champ, the guy, you know, would then get a, a you know, you win the season and you fight Mighty Mouse. Um, and that was a tougher fight than I think people maybe thought. But Johnson won. Like, it wasn't really, oh, maybe he lost. No, he didn't lose. It was just a tougher fight than people thought. But other than that, he pretty much, once he became, you know, the uh, featherweight champion, he beat everyone, pretty clearly. So the thing was, it was just like, ah, there was no big people that he was beating. So I think that's the, that's the argument. But then if, like John Jones, John Jones at the very beginning, was just walking through everyone, and they were, like, top people he walked through, Shireen, like, Shogun Rua, Rampage Jackson, Rashad Evans, um, Rampage, like, he was beating top people, Machida, so, the fact that he just did that, if he had retired at that, like, you know, you couldn't have gone, ah, well, he's not because he was never in. No. It was just he's that good. So to go, oh, there's Tyson, you know, at that period, he wasn't ever in trouble. That's, you know, kind of dumb to just say it without going, all right, let's look at who he fought. Let's break it down from that regard. And it's a bit like, look, when Tyson came back, like, everyone knew what the situation was, you know, like, he'd just been fucked up by Don King, you know, just some, a lot of the people around him, the, the bullshit prison case, like, there was a lot of stuff, so, yeah, Tyson wasn't the same fighter, that's a thing, right, but I kind of, like, you can look at David Hay. Like, David Hay has got a lot of... He talks a lot. Talks a lot. But when you look at his actual performances... David Hay is not a great boxer. Yes, he won, you know, he won the heavyweight championship. You know? And he beat some... He beat some people, but like, they weren't at the their peak. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... And we've seen, hey, he's been in trouble and crumbled. Like in the last fight, he had all that talk, came out and crumbled. Tried to blame it on, you know, oh, my shoes weren't tied properly and all of this shit. So, yeah, I find always find that 
just questionable. Like when Hay comes out and talks. And no one says to him, yo, what about you? Right? If we turn your words against your career, against what you've done, what are you saying then? Huh? Like, I want people... You know, I think, look, you can say whatever you want, but you need to be able to back that shit up, right? And hey, he never, he, like, he, his words don't back things up, really, when you break them down. Now, the other interesting um, thing was the, the, the whole, um, ah, like, everyone's talking about Joshua... Anthony Joshua fighting Tyson Fury, which doesn't make any sense because look, everyone knows that there is a there was a clause for a rematch with Wilder, and Wilder was going to activate that clause, what which he did. I mean, he activated, but they, like they're trying to get him to go. Oh, let let Joshua take his place. Let Joshua. Hey, but so here's the thing. Joshua already has a, a mandatory defense, right? He's meant to be fighting Kubrat Pulev, you know, who's a Bulgarian uh, boxer, right? So he's meant to be fighting him for Joshua's IBF belt. And I'm just like, yo, Joshua, fight him. You know, this it's kind of like that whole thing, right? When you're like, "Hey, I am the best. I think I am the best." Now, if you think that, if you believe that, then just be any of the people they put in front of you. You're in because you go like, "I." It doesn't really matter because I will beat this dude. Then I fight the next fight, right? And just go, right, so the, once I beat him, the next fight is this. Right? So you can say that. That's fine. But just fight that fight. There's, you know, like, um, that dude, Pulev, hey, he was nice enough to step aside and let Joshua rematch Andy Ruiz Jr., when he lost the belt there, Jerry, like, yeah, technically, Joshua should have fought Pulev, but Pulev was like, you know what, no, and also, because, I mean, when you've got the, the, the you know, the, the clause in the contract, it kind of means, alright, the, uh, the rematch is meant to take place, but Pulev was like, you know, what? I didn't push it, I let them have that fight, but, like, I can't step aside again. Because, you you know, you have to realise. That means he's stepping. He's sitting out. He's not fighting. So, it's a bit like. That's fucked up. It's fucked up. Just fight that fight. Yo, you've got the. You can have both. You could have both fights on the same card. You know what I mean? Just put both fights on the same card. And then, if there's any issues, yo, the, the two people remaining fight each other. You know what I mean? So you could do that. But yeah, both fights on the card, which then means that the trajectory for the winners to face each other is there. Just do it like that. It's the fairest thing because 
Hey, this is the thing, right, that gets me. Everyone realises that, hey, when they were coming up, when they were trying to do a thing, and when people were trying to shut the door on them, it was irritating. You know what I mean? So, why then try and do it to other people? You know what I mean? Like, look, I'd understand, I would understand if Joshua is just like, look, I don't want to box forever. I feel I've got one more fight. One more fight. So I just want to challenge Fury. You know, unify all the belts. And then I'm done. And if win or lose, I'm done. But I just want one more fight before I leave. If he said that, then I'd be like, I, that makes sense. I understand and... Yeah, fine. But that's not the case. So, fight Pulev. And then, you know, if you feel that you're the greatest and all of this. Then you go on to fight the winner of Wilder Fury. That seems fair. You know? Stop with all the bullshit. That's the thing that's, see, that's the thing that's irritating with boxing. There's so much bullshit, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Ugh, it's frustrating. Okay, so I think this, this is, man, this is the story of the goddamn week, right? This, and I feel this should be talked about more, especially right now, because it's like, Nice. Okay, so in 1988, a boy was abducted in China. Okay, so it was in um, oh, Zhang, uh, Z I A N, uh, in the Shanxi province. Um, yeah, he this little boy, two year old was um yeah abducted so his dad had picked him up from nursery and was bringing him home uh and the two and the kid you know he'd asked for some water so um the dad had some water but he kind of stopped in the entrance of a hotel to try and cool cool it down because it wasn't cold water so he's trying to cool it down he turned away for a second, turned back, and son was gone, missing, which, you know, you just imagine how just, oh, that definitely, hey, it's, it's gonna suck, I mean, obviously, is is you know, they're not the words, right? It's heartbreaking, it's terrible, it's the worst, right? So they then just did everything they could do. You know, like, um, he, his wife, you know, she quit her job. You know, she went out handing out flyers. They say that she handed out over 100,000 flyers. You know, went to all the ten provinces and municipalities. Nothing. You know, she went on you know numerous television shows to try and find him, to put the word out, try and find him. 
you know, they had around 300 leads that they tried to follow up, nothing came, you know, nothing came through, they thought at one point that, um, you know, that they, they were onto something, but yeah, it, it, it just, yeah, it wasn't the case, but during all that time, all that time, like, they didn't give up hope, and, um, you know, she went, you know, Mrs. Lee, she went and worked for an organisation called Baby Come Back Home, uh, which is, you know, is a charity helping parents who are looking for their missing children, Um, and this is the crazy, like, while working there, she helped to reunite 29 kids with their families, like, which is incredible in itself, but being able to do that while your own son is still missing, crazy, right, but this is the thing, right, so, um, supposedly police got a, a, a tip, that a um a guy in the Xuan province had um adopted a baby boy around about the time you know the kid went missing. So the police went, followed it up, looked into it, did a DNA test, and uh yeah came through came through that it was the missing son, and like the 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 sweet bit, you know, I mean, the nice little bit. They they told um Mrs. Lee, just so happened that yeah she got the news on Mother's Day, which is like the tenth of May in China, which, yo, I mean any day t- any day would have been good for her, but imagine that call on Mother's Day, right, because, you know, you're thinking, all right, well, I don't have my son, so you're not kind of expecting anything, and that day must just be um, just that little knife in the gut every year, that it's another year that he's out there somewhere, so to get that call, that's incredible, right? That's incredible. So um yeah, so you know, they they've met up with him. Um so yeah, they, they called this uh Mayin, but um, you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, when he was you know got when he went, they he'd been renamed, so it's Gu Ning Ning. I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, but yeah, so, um, he's, uh, kind of, I don't know, it must be an odd situation for him, right, because the people he had been calling mum and dad aren't his mum and dad, and, like, I, like, you know what I mean, I, was he even aware that he'd been adopted, or did he actually think 
that that was his birth mother and father. So that's the crazy thing. So he's just kind of said, look, he doesn't know what the future is, but he's going to be spending a lot of time with, um, you know, with his parents. So that's, I mean, that's nice. I think that's a nice story, man. It's a really nice story that uh, something like that can happen. Yo, he's 34 now. Like, who'd have thought that it would have been possible for that? Yo, because you always hear, look, if, if, if the, you know, a kid, kid isn't found within a few days, then it's kind of done. You, you, you're not going to find them. And knowing that, hey, have they been, you know what I mean, trafficked or have they been killed? Have they, you know, been sold to like, I don't know, these sex weirdos? Like, like there's so many things that could have happened. So, like, trying to think, like, oh, is he alive? What's going on? That's just <sighs> terrible, man. That's terrible. But I think the the, the real crazy thing is that. There's so many kids that are going missing in China every fucking year. Right? So, supposedly in 2015, it was estimated that 20,000 children are abducted each year. That was in 2015. So, that figure could be higher now. Could be higher now. And they've done certain things to try and help. Like, um, they set up a DNA database in 2009, which resulted in 6,000 missing children being found. But, you know, 6,000 is, isn't much when you look at 20,000 going each year, right? And then in 2016, they, um created this new system called Reunion, and so it said by um, June 2019 that it had led to 4,000 children finding their families, which again, look, you know, 4,000 is great, but it just seems like a dip in the ocean, so it's just kind of crazy when you, you hear all of that. But, you know what I mean, I, I just think it's awesome that, A, the Lees were able to actually find their kid, but um, supposedly he was sold to a childless couple for uh, approximately, well, it was 6,000 yuan, um, which would have been 600, 690 pounds or 840 dollars. Which doesn't seem that much, right? Doesn't seem that like computers and phones are more expensive, right? Which is just like, god damn it, it's insane. But, um, yeah, I think the fact that hey, after 34 years, they didn't give up hope and they were able to find him that's awesome, and yeah. That's the news 
for this week. So, uh, all right, let us take a look at some other stuff, all right? Okay, people, so chin check this week is going to be breaking down a couple of cards. We've got UFC Fight Night, uh, Tixera v Smith, and UFC Fight Night Overeem v Harris. Both were really good events. We saw some great fights. There was controversy. Definitely controversy. So, people, once you're done, go check out Chin Check and, uh, yeah, enjoy. All right? And remember, share with your peoples, all right? Good, good, good. Now, let's continue. Okay, people, so this week... I uh, figured I'd take a look at Hollywood. So, this is the new series that was created by Ryan Murphy and Ian Brennan. It's, man, it's got a, you know, crazy talented cast. So, you've got um, David Corrin Sweet, Darren Chris. Laura Harrier, Joe Mantello, Dylan McDermott, Jake Piking, Jeremy Pope, Holland Taylor, Samara Weaving, Jim, Jim Parsons, Patty Lapoon, and um, uh, Queen. Um, oh gosh, who is um. Yeah, Queen Latifah, brain freeze. Um, Yeah, like, really talented cast, you know, which is pretty impressive, you know, to get all those people together. It's seven episodes. Um, They're roughly between, like, 45 minutes, 55 minutes long. Um, Yeah. You know, um, and it's kind of meant to be depicting the golden age of Hollywood. So the gist of the show is this. It follows a group of aspiring actors and filmmakers in post-World War II Hollywood as they try to make it in Tinseltown, no matter the cost. Each character offers a unique glimpse Behind the gilded curtain of Hollywood's golden age. Spotlighting the unfair systems and biases across race, gender and sexuality that continue to this day. Hollywood exposes and examines decades old power dynamics. And what the entertainment landscape might look like if they had been dismantled. So, yeah, that's the, um, that's the premise, and, you know, it's interesting, right, you know what I mean, and when you think about it, Murphy has been behind so many, like, crazy popular TV shows, like, he had popular Nip Tuck, Glee, American Horror Story, um, American Crime Story, 
911, Posse, the politician. It, yeah, it, it's crazy. It's done a heap of films. So, you know, there. I think there's a level of, like, quality that you you expect going in, right? And. Yeah, I don't know, like the first, like it begins and so, uh, you know, one character, Jack Castello, he was, you know, uh, in, in the war. And so he's now in Los Angeles looking to become an actor. And we see him like turning up each day with everyone else outside the studio gates trying to get work. Um yeah he he's got his wife Henrietta who's pregnant and so yeah they're trying to buy a house and all of this but he's not got enough money you know because he hasn't actually got a paying job he's just trying to get extra work and she works in a cafe so you know it's just like uh, what can they do and when he's, you know, he goes to a bar to drown his sorrows and a guy um, offers him work, Ernie West, who's played by uh, Dylan McDermott. Um, and, you know, Ernie runs a, a gas station, Golden Tips, I think it was called. And at this gas station, he, he employs attractive guys who will, you know, service the cars and service the clients. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the deal. Which, yeah, it was... Intri- like, the whole premise was a bit odd. Um, there's questions. I'll come back to those. So, um, you know, one day, one of the people that he's asked to, uh, you know, service was a woman who, um, whose husband owns the big film studio, Ace Studios. And um, he's just like, oh, this is crazy. I'm trying to be an actor. And you see where that's going to lead. You know what I mean? It's a bit like, okay. And so he does her. And then he also, um, he does another woman who's a casting agent. Casting something, I forget. Who then hooks him up. So the next day he goes and they're picking everyone they try and pull a little bit of a, ooh, what's happening? But, you know, you know what's going to happen. And so, yeah, that's his break kind of into it all. So he's doing this. So we're following Jack. We're also following some other characters as well. So there's um, Camille, who's an aspiring actress. But she's black, right? So that's the um, that's the thing with that. 
and we kind of know, or we sh- you should know, the issues that would come with that. Now she's dating um, Raymond, who's a script. No, he's a director. He's a director, and um, he's uh, part Asian. Um, but the whole thing around his character is, you know, his his mother was Filipino, um, but you you know he can easily pass as white, right? Um, and then you've also got uh, Archie Coleman, who is a um, a screenwriter who's also black, and uh, Jack meets him, hmm, where does Jack, I forget where Jack meets him, but he then gets Archie a job at Golden Tips, so we're following these characters, right, and their struggles with the industry and the you know the all the problems about trying to break in um and find things uh, like some things you know like Archie is he's gay Archie is gay but at golden tips you know he can, well we'd say Archie's bi because you know he has sex with women as well um so yeah we're following them Oh, and there's also um, Rock, you know, Rock Hudson, who uh, we follow. So it's a weird thing, because we've got a, you know, there's a few actual, you know, actual people in this, you know, who, like, and agents and people like that who actually did exist and then there's you know a lot of the other people were just made up so yeah so we have we're introduced to Rock Hudson and he's agent Henry Wilson who uh, yeah not the greatest person kind of a predator you know um, so yeah, so we're following all of these people, and they're all kind of connected, you know, like Archie has written a film, um, and, you know, uh, Raymond, he's, you know, he, he struck a deal with the studio, because he, you know, he had a script and he wanted to make it, and they're like, no, um, but read all these scripts and choose one. So he reads them all, and he, yeah, he picks Arches. You know, he's like, oh yeah, this is a good script. Um, so he's going to be directing this. His girlfriend, as I said, Camille, she's an actress. And, you know, so it kind of all goes about like this. And it's all a bit like, okay, well, this is interesting. You know, there's some, yeah, there's some intricate kind of things happening in here. Yeah, it is a bit like, 
I guess it's a bit like simple how they you know get around to connecting everyone. You know, it, it's one of those things. It's a bit like eh. Well, yeah, I see all of that happening. You know, it, it, it's well, that. I think that's one of the big things about this. It's not really a crazy sophisticated story. Like if you can see everything before it happens, it's just like, all right. Well, obviously that's gonna yeah, and then that's gonna uh, and I guess they're gonna yeah yeah, yeah okay. Okay, um, but yeah, so all of this stuff is going on, and, you know, we, we have other people kind of, you know, they go to dinner parties and stuff like that, and, we, you know, we, so we, we meet a few other people that are, you know, people of that time, um, like Vivian Lee and, you know, and such like that. But I think an issue, I guess, I had with this. And, well, no, it is definitely an issue I had. <laughs> was, well, there was a few. I'm not going to lie. Now, like, you know, it's what? So it, it's post nineteen the second world war so you know it's like late 1940s right now we know you know like this there's no guessing we know it wasn't a great time you know when it comes to race relations and everything like that you know what I mean? like the clan was crazy big, you know, like, yeah, it wasn't great, and there was still segregation, you know, white only drinking fountain, like, all of this shit was still a thing, but the way you kind of, the way everything is depicted here, Everything kind of seems fine. Right? That's the thing that baffles. Like, everything, you know, is going around and it seems kind of fine. Uh, and until you see, like, a, like, one or two incidents. But they're very isolated. So this is a crazy thing. So you've got Archie working at the gas station. But you never have anyone go, nah, yo, get the fuck away from my car, you dirty motherfucking, you know what I mean? And you know the word, motherfuckers. Yeah, but that never happens. Everything's pretty sweet, you know? It, see, every time we see him there, every car he approaches to... He, he's getting into, right, so, the, yeah, so there's nothing on that front, and we have, like, um, you know, Rock Hudson, like, yeah, meet up with it, and it's all like, oh, yeah, oh, you know, which is just like, okay, yeah, I get it, 
Like he goes to a big party um, Which the gas station has to work And yeah No issues with the race thing there And you're just like Look I'm not saying everyone was racist But A lot of people were So it goes without question That there's going to be some people At this dinner party that are dirty racists But no Everyone's woke (laughs) It's like what the fuck is happening here You know what I mean And Yeah like The first big Issue is When um, Ace You know the owner of the studio Finds out that the script Is written by a black guy That's Really the first I think If I remember correctly That's really the first big thing That we see And it's like You know, for for Archie, let's say Because I think um, Yeah, so before that I believe There is a discussion between Um Raymond and Camille About her You know Working And getting roles Because you know there's a a bit where she She thinks she's going to get this starring role In something or a big part in something But Obviously She gets to play the maid But then Even with her Playing the maid the way she's spoken to on set It's really not as bad As you'd kind of feel And especially when she's kind of You know, going off script and shit like that It's a bit like, okay Well that was Kind of vanilla Okay Interesting Hmm So yeah, we, we have these moments and it's not a lot And so when Archie is called into the studio and told Listen, you you can't, yeah, we can't have you um, do this Well, actually, before, let me say this, before this moment, right So Raymond and Camille, you know, he, she's just like, well, um why don't you let me star in the film? I could play Peg. I read the script. It's great. Boom, boom, boom. And he's just like, oh, but Peg, you know, it's an actual person and she's white. And she's like, well, why don't you change it? I could be, I forget. I think they said Meg, which is then interesting to, uh, you know, what happens later. And it's like, and she could be based, because, you know, it doesn't have to be that. We could base her here and bum 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 and then I could star in it. Right? And when he when they tell Archie this, he's just like, no, 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 no. It's gotta be this. And like someone's asked him as well, Well, how is it you you ended up writing this story? You know, and he's like, Well, yeah, it's a white woman, but I understand her pain. You know, I can relate to the character because blah, 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 blah. So we have all of this. 
And he's just like, no, Camille shouldn't be able to play the role. Bum, bum, bum. I don't want you changing it. It's my script. Bum, bum, bum. And so when the studio are like, yeah, you will still get paid for it. You can consult. You'll be on set. Bum, bum, bum. But we can't have your name on the film. We do, like The public can't know it's written by Bat-Guy. And he lo- kind of loses it, right? He he loses it, and we have him turn up at Raymond's house, and he's just like, oh, this is ridiculous, this is crazy. No, I'm not having this. This is what they want to do. You know, this is wrong. This is so wrong. And, you know... I understand now, Camille, and I want you, I want you to get the role, and blah, 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 and then it all changes, and it's just like, wait, what? Because what you said earlier, that's a complete 180. Like, everything he says is, you know, it's just like, I didn't even want to have this story about her, but blah, 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 and it's just like, all right, if that's the case... Don't have him say the earlier thing. Because there's no need for him to say that. You can easily have him say at the time. Well, you know, I didn't want to get pigeonholed. Or I figured, hey, if I write about a white broad, it's my easiest way in. You know, have him say, it's like, but to have him say what he said. And then to just 180 it, it's weird. You know, because it's like, all right, if, if, you know, he's getting asked by a studio head, you can understand it, but he's not, he's being asked by his friends or whatever, right, but the weird thing about all of this shit, and like Camille and, you know, her reactions and stuff like that, they're acting like they haven't really come across a lot of racism before, you know, they're acting like, this is a huge shock that a studio wouldn't want a black actress leading the film, or a black writer's name on the script, you know, they're acting like, wait, hold on, this is the first we've heard of this, and it's just like, that would be a load of shit, (laughs) <laughs> you mean, like, what are you talking about? And we know it's not true Because, you know, there's a bit, a, a, a scene Where um, Camille gets a phone call from Hattie McDaniel So we know she understands the situation So it's just bizarre Right, and then the way it deals with homosexuality in this as well, um, that's kind of odd, right? Because it, it's just everything is just way too clean cut, you know. Like, there's a bit in the film where Rock has this conversation with a studio executive, and, um, you know, like, Henry Wilson tries to pull a thing, 
and you know it, it, it looks like it's going to happen where well, you kind of figure that no this isn't going to go through and it doesn't and then rock has this big conversation and says these things and it's just like really like it's you know because everyone just pours their guts out for no reason is you know you kind of feel like maybe a thing might be said but I I don't believe that people are going to just hand out all that information. There's, when you don't know someone, and it's just like, this could get used against me. You know, when you've been living that life, hiding everything, you're then just going to blurt everything out. It's just odd, right? It's real odd. And there's just... Yeah, a lot, like, the whole situation with, like, how we meet Hattie McDaniel, that doesn't really get addressed, well, not to the, not to where I got to anyway, but I'm not gonna lie, I didn't finish this, I just found it way too frustrating, you know, I, I got to episode five, I feel, because, yeah, everything is just, it just feels too sanitised, right, and as I said, like, the way it's handling the race, the way it's handling, like, sexuality, like, and also, you've, there's, this these weird, like, the gas station is basically a pimp shop, but you don't see it get raided, you know what I mean? Like, you don't see that get raided. And there's one little incident with the Lord that we, we, we have. But that's it. And you're just like, whoa, there would be more. Like, there would be more. And so they have these things. They throw these things out there. But it's like... You're trying it, the way everything is depicted is if like, oh, like once or twice. So, you know, as I said, like with the ratio, it's just like, oh, it's like people come across it once or twice. You know, everyone's pretty woke, really. You know, it's, it's odd. It's really odd. And that's frustrating. Because it's kind of like, you're gonna have people that are, are, you know, especially those motherfuckers born into the year 2000 onward, right, who, you know, have grown up in this kind of society, where, because trust me, things were a lot better than when I was a kid, right, they're not, and don't get me wrong, they're not perfect, they're definitely not perfect, but I remember a time when there wasn't many black people on TV, there wasn't any homosexual people on TV, and now, <laughs> it's the, the diversity has changed, so as I said, look, it's definitely not perfect, there's definitely a lot of bullshit out there, but it has changed, right, but if you then create a show like this, 
And you kind of show it like, yeah, things weren't that bad. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, people, people couldn't say they were gay. But, yeah, no. If you didn't say, like, it like was, yeah, people can't tell. So, it, it was fine. You just hid it. Just hid it. And black people, you know, Asian people, they, it was fine. You know, they didn't get all the parts and stuff. But people treated them okay. You know, like, everyone's treated so, yeah, so well. And, like, and that's just, like, the story and the aesthetics. But the acting, now, the acting isn't terrible. It's not bad. But everything is delivered in this weird kind of way. This chirpy, yeah, this, like, it is kind of filmed like it's more like a play than it's a TV series. It's acting. Like, the way people are talking and, you know, this weird kind of projection that they're doing. It's very odd. It's definitely very odd. So... Yeah, it because it's like Queen Latifah, the way she's kind of talking, the way Jim Parsons is talking, the way a lot of them are talking, it's all a slightly forced. There's a slight kind of forced chirpiness in everyone's cadence and diction, which, yeah, kind of throws you. And people switch real fucking quick. Like, there's this one incident where um, Jack asks Archie for help. And out of nowhere, Archie's like, what about May? What about May? And it's just like, it's fine to have that reaction. But that was out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, you, you haven't seen them butt heads. You haven't seen them have any sort of, you know, altercation or issues, right? They haven't really talked a lot on that level. You know, Jack got Archie the job. So you'd think, oh, yeah, like, it would be fine for Jack to come and, hey, Archie, I was wondering, can you give me a hand? Like, it's not really, it wouldn't, it's not an odd request, so then Archie's response is kind of weird. But then it just switches straight away. Because then Jack's like, uh, 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 I guess. <laughs> and then Archie's like, oh, 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 yeah, sorry. Well, oh, well, you just need to. And it's just like, huh? That's just weird. It's just weird. And that's the... You know, that's a real issue. There's a lot of switching of, I guess, emotion on a hairpin. Makes no sense. Like, you have Camille and Raymond arguing because Raymond, as I said, look, you'd think that he's white with a slight tan. That's it. And so, yeah, we have this... Thing with, you know, because he can get work. 
but she's not getting the work Right, so there's that And then you get have him going Hey, you have to be, you know You have to try and blah, blah, blah And it's just like, hold on, hold on, hold on It's a complete different experience for both of us So what the fuck are you saying? Then there's this weird bit where, you know Which is a thing actors and actresses do Put like the, you know, the, the vapour on the eyes to help them cry And he rips it out of hand and goes I won't have you cheat And it's just like, what the fuck are you talking Like, huh? So there's these weird moments in this that just don't get addressed and that just it just became so frustrating. Like this is so kind of like saccharine. You know what I mean? It's just so just like look, address the issues. Let people understand what this really was like. It's not as easy as you're trying to depict. That and that became that was an issue, so I had to bail out. Had to bail out, but yeah, as I said, look, I watched five episodes, so you know, I feel I can talk on this. But I will say, you know, if I, I get look, if you're a fan of Murphy's other stuff, you know, Glee and all of that, rare, you know, <laughs> like. He is the dude that did Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> right? So, if you're a fan of all of that, then, yeah, you're, you're, I will probably feel that Hollywood will play differently for you. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. So... That's what I kind of think. If if you like those things, if you enjoy, you know, yeah, Ryan Murphy's output, then I imagine that yeah, you'll want to give this a look and check it out. So it's on Netflix. So yeah, <laughs> you can um yeah yeah, but you'll be able to give this a try whenever, really. You know, so, um, yeah, there it is, people, Hollywood, the new big show on Netflix at the moment, so, uh, yeah, you know, do you want to give it a try, hmm, okay, so, ah, I did the first trilogy, while I was waiting for the last book to drop, it's now out, so I figured I can finally start um, Brian McKellen's Gods of Blood and Powder trilogy. So, book one, Sins of Empire, and uh, it's read again by Christian Rod- Rodosky. Yeah, Rodoska, 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 okay So, this is um, the gist of it all This is what it says um, An epic new fantasy series from Brian McKellen Set in the world of his popular Powder Mage trilogy 
A world on the cusp of a new age. The young nation of Fatraska is a turbulent place. A frontier destination for criminals, fortune hunters, brave settlers and sorcerers seeking relics of the past. Only the iron will of the Lady Chancellor and her secret police holds the capital city of landfall together against the unrest of an oppressed population and the mechanisms of powerful empires. Sedition is a dangerous word. The insurrection that threatens landfall must be purged with guile and force, a task which falls on the shoulders of a spy named Michael Bravis, convicted war hero Mad Ben Stike, and the Lady Vlora Flint, a mercenary general with a past as turbulent as landfill's present. The past haunts us all. As loyalists attested, revealed and destroyed, a grim spectre as old as time has become unearthed in this wild land, and the people of Landfield will soon discover that rebellion is the last of their worries. Bum, bum, bum. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's the book, right? Now, it definitely sounds intriguing. So, obviously, man, I've been looking forward to get into this. Now, starting it, you, because, you know, it's set in the same world as the Powder Mage trilogy, okay? But the difference is that was kind of mainly in Adro, with a little bit in Kez. Um, but this... This one is set in Fatraska, which was mentioned, right? Um, and it's also mentioned in, uh, you know, um, some of the short stories. So, yeah, you're kind of thinking, all right, what characters from the first trilogy could pop up in this one? Because although, yeah, you realise, look, we're going to get new characters. But, yeah, we're going to get a, at least a couple of old characters show up, right? But who possibly could make this crossover? So you're reading, you're like, all right, yeah, no, this is cool. And then you realise, okay, so Vlora Flint, you know, she's Vlora who... um you know, was 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 taken in by Tannis. We used to go out with Taniel, right? So she's there. And Olam, obviously he'd be there. But it's interesting the fact that in this one, they um because, you know, the way we left it, she was now the um the leader of the army. Right? But now she's she's not. She quit. And she runs a mercenary group, like the Sons of Adam. So you're like, oh, hmm, I wonder what happened. Because we never really find out what went now. But, yeah, so it's just like, all right, okay, so Laura's here. She's doing her thing, fighting the Palo. Right, okay. 
So she's fighting a Palo, and who's run by this guy called the Red Hand. Interesting. Hmm. Um. So we got that. Now another part of the story is um because the Palo, uh, someone has printed this book called Sins of Empire. And the Lady Chancellor, who is running for Chaska, it this book lays out supposedly all the injustices she has put upon the Palo people. So it's to um build insurgents. So this has been printed and she's running the place with a her secret police, the Black Hats. Now, a member of the Black Hats, he has been called to investigate this. And the Black Hats are split into... Uh, they're split into kind of groups, right? So you've got your regular guy, and then you've got your Bronze Star, your Iron... Like, Bronze Cross, Iron Cross, Gold Cross... Uh, which shows your um, the the level you're at, as it were. And Michael Bravis, he's an iron star, and he wants to get to gold. You know, he wants to get to gold because then that means people can't fuck with him, and um, yeah, it opens up more doors, right? So he's looking to get to this. So he's been tasked with investigating. These pamphlets. So we got that story. Now we've also got Mad Ben Strike in jail. He's in jail. And if you read the short story, The Mad Lancers, you'd know who Ben Strike is, right? So you've got that. Now you're wondering, okay. Why is he in jail? Like, what the fuck happened? Right, so this is all all this intriguing stuff. And he gets out of jail with the help of um, this guy who, hmm, he kind of crops up. There's, there's a certain guy that crops up a lot. Um, and you're wondering, all right, who is this dude? Right, because he's he's giving people information. He's um, uh, like yeah, he, he's giving information. He's kind of just in certain situations, and you're thinking, is he bad? Is he good? What's what's the deal? Right. What 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 what's 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 the deal with this dude? Because yeah, it, it's all a bit fishy. You know what I mean? It's all a bit fishy. So it's Tristan Bassin, I believe. Um, so he gets Ben out of jail, uh, along with a little girl called Celine. Who Ben has kind of adopted because her dad he was in the jail and um because he was a thief, but Celine was born in the jail, I think, 
So she doesn't technically need to be there, but there was nowhere else for her to go. So we've got Ben Strike, who's now been brought out of jail to get in with Lady Vlora. Right? So he, he that's he's been tasked with that. Get into her um mercenary group and just keep an eye on her. So we've got this going on. Um there's dragon men have suddenly appeared. Like this myth from the past. And it's just like, okay, so why are dragon men in um for Traska? Huh? What's happening there? And also, right, at the beginning of the book, we have this little bit where um this object has been dug up. But it can make you crazy. So we have all of this along with um, Gregorius Tampo, who is the leader of the Black Hats. So he put Michael on the job of looking into the um, Sins of Empire. But we then find out as well, he's the reason Ben Stike was put in jail. So there's all these kind of plots that are floating around and tied into each other, which makes it all intriguing, right? So all of this is happening, and right, you're reading it, you're thinking, okay, this isn't bad, this is fine. But then you get kind of word on certain things, and you remember that a certain couple from the first book went to Fatraska. So I think it becomes a bit obvious who they are. You know what I mean? So you're just thinking, okay, I I bet that they must be blah blah blah. And then yeah, it gets revealed and you're like, okay, so they are Right, yeah, obviously, right, and I mean that's fine, it's fine, but like a a problem that I kind of had with this book was there's a lot of shit that's a bit predictable, right um so there's the the whole plot to get um uh to to get mama Palo. Right, and so we've got this, um, we got, oh, no, sorry, Gregorius Tampo isn't the guy, no, sorry, it's Fidelis Jess, Fidelis Jess, um, Gregorius Tampo is a Palo that is a businessman, and, yeah, there's a, but there's shit that's around him, right, so he's working with Flora, to, you know what I mean, help her um, get in with the Palo. And he's helping her get Mama Palo. But with that whole thing, you're thinking, all right, well, this seems suspicious. This seems very suspicious. And it's also weird, the fact that Vlora tells him a big secret about the Rifle Jacks. And it's just like, 
Wait, why the fuck would you just tell some random person your seat? That makes no sense. So straight away, when that happens, you're like, okay, so obviously Tempo isn't who he seems. There's going to be some shit that goes down there. And yeah, it does. Shit does happen. And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, obviously, right? But because the the Red Hand and Mama Palo are people that we know, and technically as well, they've been fighting Vlora's rifle jacks on the frontier for all this time too, before she's been brought to the city, you're kind of thinking... Why didn't you talk? Right? It makes no sense that you didn't tell her. That's kind of stupid. Then you've got the whole thing of... Because Flora knows him. Right? And he's like... Oh, it's me. And she knows it's him. But he's used a a certain magic to disguise himself. And he said to her... Listen... She's like, show me your face. And he's just like, yeah, but you know it's me. She's like, yes, I know. But I'm only going to talk to you if you show me your face. And he's like, look, it takes ages to put this face together. She, I don't care. You have to show me. Which is a bit like, oh, come on. No one's that petty. Like, no one's that petty, right? And they're, they're digging at each other. Because of an incident that happened at the very, like, it wasn't even at the beginning of Promise of Blood. It was before the Promise of Blood actually started. This thing happened, and, you know, I mean, like, throughout that trilogy, they were kind of, you know, niggling at each other about it, even though. They kind of both moved on, right? And especially at the end. So you're kind of like, wait, you're still niggling? Come, like, no. No, that's ridiculous. So you have all of these things, right, that are going down. And, like, all this information that no one's revealing to each other. Like, there's a connection between Ben Stike and the Lady Chancellor. But he's not telling, he's not told anyone that. Like, he's not told Vlora. He's not told this mystery person. And you just think, but why aren't, why wouldn't you tell people this? This is important information. So you have all of this stuff going. And it's like, it's, it's, look, the book's not terrible. But. I kind of felt that McLaren had made it a bit... Like, he tried to be a bit too clever with it. You know what I mean? But I do think, right, if you haven't read the first trilogy and you hadn't read any of the short stories, so you don't know about the Mad Lancers or anything like that, you will enjoy this book a whole lot more. Right, because now 
I say the short stories because especially like the Mad Lancer short story will introduce you to Ben Strike. But it also gives you certain information. You know, like in that book, you know, it's we're told that he's reckless and he just charges into battles and stuff like that because he's got this magical armor. Right? So he's not really the best of generals. But in this, Vlora then gives him command of the cavalry. And you're just like, huh? Even though she's got notes from when Taniel worked with him. So she knows he's reckless. She knows all, but he gets command. And you're just like, wait, what? That makes no sense. So you have all of these things going on that uh, don't really make any sense like you have um Fidelis Jess who runs the Black Jacks sorry the Black Hats now every morning he allows people to challenge him but he he's a shithead right so he fucks people's wives you know he causes trouble and Technically, people can't do anything about it. So he allows people to challenge him in the morning. But he's a master swordsman. So no one can beat him. And we have Ben challenge him at one point in the book. And lose. Right? So then there's another bit towards the end. And... So we think one person is going to fight him... And if that fight goes down, like, you go, okay, well, he's losing that fight, right? Then they step aside to let someone else fight. And you, then you realise, you're like, oh, well, yeah, they're going to win. You know, so you, you know what's going to happen in, like, a load of things. You know, it, it's not. Like, you know, all this tension is there. It's been put together to build up to this point. But you realise, because you've read the previous book, if you've read the previous books, nothing's going to happen at this point. Because it follows the same beats as, like, Promise of Blood. As, you know, the, the first trilogy. You know, we've got the same sort of predicaments and the same sort of outcomes and things like that so yeah when when you've read all of that stuff you see that and you're just like oh I know what's gonna happen here right yeah obviously at the last minute that's gonna happen and blah, 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 and then that and yeah that's exactly what happens so it's okay, right? It's okay. But I think if I hadn't have read the previous work, I'd have enjoyed it more. So, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do the rest of the trilogy. I don't. Because, yeah, it, it's fine. But I didn't get the same enjoyment out of this as I did from doing, like, the Powder Mage trilogy, because that was fresh, that was new, that was interesting, this, for me anyway, it does feel a little bit like retreaded ground, 
Which, look, understand, I'm not saying it's terrible, you know what I mean? But it's just, yeah, for me, it was a little predictable, okay? But I do feel that, yeah, if you've not read all of the previous work, I think you'll really enjoy it. I think it will stand out better for you. And if you're just coming in new, so you haven't read any of Brian McKellen's stuff, then yes, definitely, you will enjoy this book, you know? So if you're coming in from doing, um, like, any of Mark Lawrence's stuff, you know, The Red Sister, and, um, you know, The King of Thorns, and all of that great stuff, if you're coming in from maybe Joe Abercrombie, you know, he's awesome works, then, um, yeah, Yo, check it out, you know? But then again, even if you've done the original books, like myself, you know, maybe you, this will sit differently for you. So, yeah, check it out. Enjoy it, you know? Um, look, it's book one of the new Gods of Blood and Powder trilogy, Sins of Empire by Brian McKellen. Um, read by Christian Rodaski, and, um, yeah, you know, book two is Wrath of Empire, so, I don't know, maybe I do that, but at the moment, I don't think I will, but, you know, we'll see, alright, cool. Okay, people, so we are drawing to the end of another episode, but before we bounce, here's some TV news. FX have renewed the Martin Freeman and Daisy Haggerty-led series Breeders for a second season. Um, no word when it will go into production or anything like that, but... Hey, the first season seemed to be a big success, so uh, that's um, good news to fans of that. I some um, well, this is yeah, it's a bit interesting stuff going ahead over at DC. Uh, so Warren Christie has been kind of cast as um, Bruce Wayne. For uh, Batwoman So there's that But And this seems to have surprised a lot of people Ruby Rose Is stepping down Yeah She has announced that she um, Is quitting the show Which Yeah it seems odd so now they've got to bring, they, you know, they've said that they're going to continue with it. So they're going to bring in someone new. Uh, which, you have to think, like, how are they going to do it, right? You know, a lot of times we've seen a new person coming and it's not always addressed. And it's just like, wait, huh? But, you know, we could have her get beaten up. You know what I mean? And so she's in hospital, she recuperates, and when the bandages come off, someone different, 
You know what I mean? Like had to have facial surgery, reconstruction surgery, all of that kind of shit. I mean, there's ways that they could do it and it plays in the storyline. So it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, like interesting news, Edgar Wright near a park. Uh, Joe Cornish and Rachel Priya. They've all worked together in the past, uh, but now they've come together to create a new production company called Complete Fiction. And they have signed over three TV series to Netflix. So there is um, Lockwood and Co., which is based on the Jonathan Stroud novels. Uh, it's kind of supernatural action adventure detective series. Uh, then there is um, the murders of Molly Southbourne, which are uh, you know based on the Tade Thompson sci-fi horror novel series, and we've also got. The City of Brass, which will be based on S.A. Chuck Raborty's historical fantasy series. So, um, yeah, fans of all of those books will be happy, I'm sure. Um, I feel, you know, that um, everyone knew there was a second season coming. But Netflix have now revealed that the 19th of June will be when season two of Politician will be hitting the service. And that's the Ryan Murphy comedy series. Season two will also see the uh, introduction of Judith Light and Bette Midler in major roles. Um, more coming with Netflix They've also announced that the 31st of July We'll see uh, the second season of the Umbrella Academy uh, A lot of people seem to like the first You know, so that's um, that's good news, right? And everyone's returning Hey, there's a few graphic novels So, hey this will go on for a little while As long as the numbers are high I'm sure And also on the 31st of July This time over at Disney Plus They announced that um, A new Muppet series Will be hitting the service Called Muppets Now uh, No word on what the show Is going to uh, Contained, but it's going to be six episodes, so I'm sure more details will hit. Uh, but coming next week, uh, will be um, you know, when Disney Plus launched and the Simpsons came on, but there was aspect ratio issues. Well, the 28th of May, we'll see the um. Correction of that Yes So you know I mean? the, the, the symptoms will hit In its original 
0.3 aspect ratio. So I'm sure that uh, a lot of people will be out to rest easily now. <laughs> yeah. Alright, people, that is us for another episode. And uh, we will see you next week. So take it easy. Try and stay sane. And enjoy what you're doing. Alright? Peace.